0: professor jedger you know and here i thought it was an oopsaw topics but actually it is an it is actually a speech class audio uh anyways i'm your host for the next 53 minutes excited to be joining you live thursday september 17th 2020 speech class audio is broadcast live from morton college radio on 99.1 wzqc the Q. we got a couple of live shows don't we Speech class audio is also presented by the Oops All Topics Network, reminding you to always lose your fear and find your voice. Email me at Jedger1982 at gmail.com or my school email address. Follow direct message or I don't know, tweet at me on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at the Jedger. Follow, share, and download the show at Oopsawtopics.podmean.com, and last but not least, subscribe and review on Apple Podcast. <clears throat> And if that sounds familiar, it's because uh, my uh, cohort, my companion, Aaron Scott Walker, just got done with his first uh, episode of Unreal Talk Show on this very network. Yeah, he was able to um, uh, get in on the, he uh, on the broadcast, and uh, he's a. His, his podcast is on the Oops Hot Topics Network, you know, the one that tells you to lose your fear and find your voice, but now he's on Morton College Radio giving them some solid content, and you can hear him every Tuesday and Thursday at noon. And if he doesn't pump out new content, we'll just give you a rerun. That's how that works. So anyways, uh, do I have any errors and omissions? It doesn't look like I do. Uh, I'm going to be more interested in the rest of our segments today because I'm going to be talking about the science... Of effective presentations, and specifically, any sort of slideshow that you have uh, with PowerPoint or what I use Prezi, or any sort of like slideshow software. That's hard to say three times. So, anyways, I a couple of uh, a couple of years ago, I I answered the call from my boss to speak at the faculty in service and faculty in-service is basically a, a big meeting that all the faculty members have at the very beginning of the semester just to make sure that, you know, we, all, we got all of our proverbial ducks in a row. Well, anyways, uh, we have guest speakers, and then sometimes we are the guest speakers, and in this instance, I was uh, one of the guest speakers. And my topic was uh, the science of effective presentations, simple ways to scientifically improve lectures. One basic fundamental that I really carry with me is that meetings should not be like a, a, a non-anything-happened kind of thing. Like, when was the last time you ever got a meeting and it was like, man, that really could have just been sent an email or, uh, you know, that, that meeting was a time waster? Like, like, I I know the caliber of professors that are at Morton College, and when I have them all in a room and they're listening to me, I'm going to try to feed them some really important stuff. And one thing that I really feel uh, uh, feel strong about are the lectures that not only Morton College professors are using, but high school teachers around the area, and pretty much any teacher that uses PowerPoint or Prezi is actually doing. I feel like we, and actually the science will bear it out, because there is a scientific approach to what I'm talking about today, but... If if we if we if we don't answer these simple ways to improve our lectures that science says will like improve like brain power with our students, uh, then we're going in just the plumb wrong direction. If we're using presentations, so I created the presentation and I feel like the it, it was well executed the speech, and I got a lot of questions and answers. Uh, specifically, one uh, one professor said, "Well, this doesn't apply to math." And, well, I thought, well, he hasn't given it much brainstorming, but I think it can. I really do. Because if if you can make a presentation, then you can make it a scientifically good presentation. And that's what I'm going to talk about in the next few minutes is simple ways and scientific ways to make your presentations better. And you don't just have to be a faculty member. You can be anybody that has a job out there that you may have to put together a presentation of sorts. I'm here to tell you the best things to do in that presentation, because the one thing you want you don't want to have is what I call stale presentations or stale lectures. In stale lectures, and I have a, n- a number of examples here, I have a teacher who's teaching uh, what looks to be project types, and the only thing on his presentation is black lettering on a white background. Then I have a teacher. That has a black background with white font And he's talking about the atomic host structure No images No questions in the wording Just words And then I have another example Uh, And I'm looking at like my own uh, uh, Like kind of Still art, still pictures A definition, this time from uh, uh, Two individuals that are Leading a presentation, so two individuals Got together and said this is a good presentation Only words, no visuals White lettering on black background and then let me let me do one more. Can I just have one more? Nope this one fails too. Black lettering on white background and it's just the definition of male practice. So we can probably assume that this is even happening in our medical schools and in our law schools and that should concern you if you're getting surgery or need an attorney. Because if this is the way that you teach, if you think that what you need to be doing is putting nothing but words and definitions on a PowerPoint, not only are you becoming, not only do you have a stale lecture, but I would argue that you're not doing a good job educating your students. And one of the reasons for that is because visuals are faster and more engaging. Now, take the vast majority of your road signs that are out there if you're if you're driving right now I think if you're on if you're listening to 99 point1 uh, you're probably driving down the road and you probably have a yield sign or a stop sign where it's just like one word but most of these uh, most of these stop signs are images. I have an image right here and it looks like a family crossing. When I see the image of a family crossing it takes me. Maybe one and a half to two milliseconds To understand that image Versus the following on the road sign Young children and family members Are likely to cross the road in this area Watch for them and slow down if they are in the roadway Now imagine if you had to read that while you were driving You would probably be reading it And then you'd probably hit somebody Probably like a family member so we get, So why don't we take our cues from road signs Where if our audience understands what we're talking about quickly Because of an image That gives us more opportunity to educate Because we are doing a, a neural netting Which is what I'm going to refer to later on Neural netting is essentially whenever you're talking to somebody And it could be like a class, kind of like a lecture And your discussion is about something That everyone kind of has a visual understanding of like, let's say you are all having a conversation about uh, the election. You're having a good discussion about the election. Well, everybody is thinking about Trump and Biden and mail voting and during the pandemic and, you know, your voting station in the electoral college. And when all that happens, you have a lot of sensory, a lot of sensory cortex, your brain working. And what you're doing is you're neural netting or you're neural coupling with the people that you're that you're that you're hanging out with, which is essentially mind melding. And when a professor can mind meld with his students, it's going to make their education and their academic academic achievement better. This isn't something that is just that just occurs in X-Men. This isn't Professor X talking to his mutants. This is a professor that uses images to explain something versus words. Because I'm here to tell you folks, words aren't visuals. And if you're using a presentation aid that means you need to be using visuals To aid in any sort of complex idea That you're talking about That includes teachers Because your complex ideas You want to think that everything you're saying is important At the beginning of all of my lectures I say, wow, this is really important for the class How could all 16 lectures be extremely important? So you think your lectures are important So why don't you use images To assist with those complex ideas In your, in your lectures and let me use another example from my speech class. When I was in uh, college, uh, we didn't have very many PowerPoint presentations. I remember Dr. Yokum didn't. She, but she just, she just spoke. She just spoke out loud. And we were apparently just supposed to write down what she was saying. It was really hard to language process at that moment. But I can only imagine if she had a PowerPoint presentation, or maybe even me as a young professor, having a PowerPoint presentation and putting the definition of nonverbal communication on the PowerPoint. And so you have words, nonverbal communication, and you have words, it influences the way a message is interpreted by the receiver. Words include all unwritten and spoken messages. If I'm lecturing about nonverbal communication and making some really eloquent points, I'm not so sure that the students are even hearing what I'm saying. Because if I have this up on the board, Students take notes, like we encourage them to take notes, and so whenever there's notes up on the PowerPoint presentation, we write them down. When you're doing that, and you have a ton of words that you have to get down, what do you immediately do? You try to write it down as fast as possible, right? Because when you're done writing, you're, you're done for the second, and you can kind of take a break. You're not listening to the professor. And the brain thing that you're doing is language processing, because you're trying to get the words from the PowerPoint presentation Onto your paper And that's going to require some language processing on your part You're trying to figure out what words To write down on your paper And you're not listening to the professor And thus you can't mind mold with them You can't mold a couple When you're just sitting there taking notes And this should be easily understandable If you're a professor Professor, if you're listening to this when was the last time you looked at a student and they were just diligently taking notes, and you just knew, you just knew that they didn't hear what you just said? So, my example: whenever I talk talk about nonverbal communication, I show my students a graph or a chart, maybe like maybe like a pie chart. That shows how nonverbal communication Is 55% body movement 38% voice tone And 7% words Now me just saying that You probably don't get it But in a presentation Whenever I show a pie chart And that pie chart Gives them that visual image That 93% of our communication Is nonverbal that's, That's very overwhelming To someone who's never heard that before But if you're just writing that down In your notes You just write that down really fast And move on to the next thing You don't have a chance to be Blown away by the material That the professor is discussing So now The student is reducing their academic achievement Because they're just reading, reading, reading Taking notes, taking notes, taking notes And the professor might as well be talking Into an abyss Like in just an echo chamber They almost love hearing themselves talk Because no one else is listening to them Because they're taking notes If I, a speech teacher Have an image of nonverbal communication in a pie chart, and they can either write it down really quickly, or these days, students just take a picture of it with their phone. They can then listen to me lecture about nonverbal communication, and neural netting occurs, and academic achievement occurs. And honestly, if I can be quite honest, it shows in my evaluations. Like my, uh, they asked me what what can you garner from your evaluations from the second from the second um, from the second year, and I went through my evaluations, and not one student said relatively anything wrong about my presentations. Can it be because of the things that I'm talking about today? So the first thing I want you to understand is that visuals—that is what you need. People look at visuals, and they immediately understand, and you get a chance to neural net with them, which means academic achievement will increase. And let me just reiterate what's on my, on my own presentation here. Uh, audiences cannot read and listen at the same time. This has just been proven. Uh, brains are brains, so we're talking about the psychology of note-taking, works better with pictures, and so I discussed that, with, that like, with the road signs. And you should use a good mix of keywords and phrases, and so that's something my students always hear me talking about, is that keywords and phrases should, should be on your note cards, keywords and phrases should be on your PowerPoint presentation, because there should be some words, but lots of images, because the images are going to allow the audience to know exactly what you're talking about quickly, and then if you have some terms on there, just for them to kind of under, just just kind of like see the the, the exact term. If you want to be like, uh, as far as like make sure that you have the exact term for something, then that's fine. But the entire thing, the entire presentation, cannot be just words because words are spoken. Like you don't, they're not visual like even like you listening to my voice right now that's an that's an auditory thing it's not a visual and words aren't visual either i get fired up about this stuff folks because again this is what happens in our classrooms low academic achievement because of the unfortunate professor lecture and so i mean this this is this is my this is my dying cause this is my sword and shield Going into this treacherous world where where teachers are just so addicted to their lecture notes And why wouldn't they? It's a pretty good security blanket You know that whenever you get through this uh, PowerPoint presentation That's nothing but the words that you're going to say Is that you're done for the day, you can collect a paycheck But what I'm saying is that even though you might be collecting a paycheck I don't think you're helping with the student's academic achievement Because science tells me they can't do that Because they're language processing And not doing any sort of sensory cortex type things Audiences also relate more to stories than statistics Uh, Let me give you two examples Uh, Little Rokia's parents were killed in the war And now she lives in desperate poverty and hunger Won't you please give a little to help Rokia eat tonight? Versus In Africa, drought has resulted in widespread hunger For more than 3 million children Won't you please give a little To help relieve the food shortages Which one are you more likely To donate money to I would argue That it's the child Because whenever it's one story It makes for an anecdote A story that could be true And those are always great For attention getters Because they're very good At emotional pleas P-L-E-A-S No E Like you're pleading for something And I've spoken about this example in my public speaking class uh, during my research chapter because I have to tell them that uh, the killing of George Floyd is an anecdote that is a good attention grabber (laughs) for a larger discussion about police brutality. We should not change any sort of federal or global policy because of one instance. It might be the straw that breaks the proverbial camel's back, but George Floyd's death is more of an emotional plea Than a statistic He, he is a smaller part of an overall statistic About police brutality and people of color That discussion is, is, is beyond the scope of what I'm talking about today But it relates to the storytelling that I'm talking about I'm talking about storytelling And you know the story of George Floyd But I don't use him as data For the policy of Eliminating chokeholds In the United States Right? Instead I would use a statistic To make my argument firm If I was making it Now that might not go against what I'm saying right now uh, Because I'm saying that a, a story is better But I'm talking about What the audience's residual effect will be They will remember To donate to this individual They will remember The George Floyd story In the longer discussion of police brutality. And Black Lives Matter does revolve around these anecdotal stories Justice for Breonna Taylor, Armand Arbery, George Floyd, Philandro Castro, Eric Garner. And then they're all anecdotes for a larger police brutality discussion. Because audiences relate more to stories versus statistics. Now, how do stories affect your lecture? Because we're talking about the science of effective presentations. Well, think about our brain. Once again, coming back to the science, evolution has wired us for storytelling. You like that Avengers movie that you saw last year? That was probably a story based on a Greek god. Like Even Thor himself is a story that we tell about Greek gods. And where did we get those stories? We probably got those stories off some sort of cave painting. When we want to tell a story about controlling our anger, when we want to tell a story about me at the DMV, we talk about the Incredible Hulk. Because the story about me at the post office is boring. It's stale. But the story about the Incredible Hulk, and that's interesting. That's got a a bunch of comic books. connected to it. Um, I, I'm really big into The Walking Dead because it's a it's a story about the uh, the degradation of society. But that but that, that that story has been told for generations. There's also Night of the Walking Dead, and uh, and, and, and oh, there's old Dracula movies. There's old Frankenstein movies. You have American Horror Story That in Season 3 of Coven They they have a Frankenstein character Well where did they get that Frankenstein character Mary Shelley And then where did Mary Shelley get that story So so again we're just big into stories And you may not remember um, All of the individuals that died At the hands of police But you do remember the story of George Floyd Or the story of Rodney King Or the story of Martin Luther King Stories activate our language processing And sensory cortex of the brain So I could even make the argument That language processing is also occurring As I'm mind melding with my students They're able to take notes While also understanding what I'm talking about So if they are taking any sort of notes It's those short term keywords and phrases That I want them to just know But They're not writing so much that they're they they get looped out of the conversation. If I have a picture of the Constitution up there, all they have to do is look at the picture of the Constitution. Know we're talking about the First Amendment, and then they can chime in whatever they want to. They hear me talking about the story of Colin Kaepernick, and then they they can kind of like give me a they can write down First Amendment definition, but also raise their hand and say, well. What about the military presence Or, or whatever that, that may be You don't remember all the players That kneel during the National Anthem And there's hundreds that do But you do remember Colin Kaepernick That's the story that we are told Also stories are universal Because and stories are always about humans right? How come you didn't see Wall-E Because it's about a robot You're not a robot Or how come you didn't watch that female rom-com That came out Is it because you're a male you know, we do tend to empathize with certain characters, but ultimately if there are humans involved with the story, we tend to be interested in it, and thus that's the reason why you should tell stories in your discussion. In your in your lecture. And that kind of ties in with with what I'm talking about in regards to your lecture and not having so many talking points where if you have a picture Of the Constitution on your presentation That should be your reminder That right now I'm going to talk about the First Amendment Because duh, I'm a learned communication teacher I know about the First Amendment So when I said earlier that a lot of teachers Have all their words on their PowerPoints and presentations This is very similar to Linus carrying around his security blanket Or my little baby Frankie who carries around his little Milo monkey It just feels comfortable to have that PowerPoint. It feels comfortable to know that whenever I, a teacher, am done with my PowerPoint, that I'm done for the day and I get to collect a paycheck. But your job shouldn't just be preparing PowerPoints and then reading from those PowerPoints. Heck, a student could do that. Your job is to assist the students in academic achievements and make them understand what you're talking about And if that requires you to put down Your security blanket, Linus Then you should But here is the silver lining and, and actually one of my faculty members last year Actually told me that this is where he agreed with me Ben Drury, this is what he said He said, of course, I, it's, like, it's like I almost forget That I'm a sociology teacher And these things that I'm talking about I do feel comfortable talking about to an audience You don't get a lot of public speaking practice Whenever you do become a teacher So We may do stuff at the very beginning That might be bad habits That we carry on throughout our Teaching tenure But one of the bad habits that you've really got to change For your students Is the idea of Reducing the amount of words that are on your Presentation and increasing the number of Visuals and increase the amount of opportunities For storytelling and increasing the opportunity here's my third interaction because interaction is going to be more memorable and static like how much do we love interaction how much how much do people hate 2020 because you can't interact with your friends or family anymore or the interaction has to take place on some sort of computer mediated communication we love interaction and when teachers say that they love their i'm sorry when teachers I'm sorry when students say that they love their professors Typically what they're referring to is that they kind of know their professor and they know their professor because they interacted with them because there was a lot of there was a lot of questions and there was there was questions in the chat function, there were question and answer periods, the the the, the teacher let the students like converse, there were circle discussions, like just whatever it may be, students love to interact with each other. How does this affect your presentation? Well, this is where I would get to that neural coupling once again, where it's like, if you are able to have a conversation with 10, 12, 20, 23 people, and you're all on the same discussion. Let's bring up, oh, I don't know. Uh, I've been talking about the Constitution, so let's talk about the Second Amendment, right? That's part of the Constitution. Let's say you and 23 students, or you, you're a student, and you're, you're giving a presentation about the Second Amendment to other students or just peers. You are giving a presentation to a bunch of peers, if, if they are aware of what you're talking about, and there are constant areas in your discussion where you allow for interaction with the audience, like what's your impersonation, or how do you interpret the Second Amendment, uh, what do you think the Founding Fathers would have thought of assault rifles, and, and these things are not, they, they don't sway one way or another, you allow the students to answer the question and then other students get to hear those answers and then they get to respond to them and that is kind of like what makes their their memory of the situation much more static a lot of people they won't tell you that speech class was their favorite class but they'll always tell you that the the favorite part of their of their experience in public speaking was listening to the other speakers because it it allowed them to kind of like neurally couple With people that they wouldn't normally do that with And hear conversations from, let's say, the other side Or the weird kid in the back of the class That actually was really good at public policy speaking, I guess Here's another thing You want to talk about academic achievement Recall on the material that has lots of interaction Increases by 6% And I can only assume that the recall that they're talking about Is for test taking or uh, uh, like whenever you're studying and note-taking And you're like, oh, I remember that I mean, I don't think that the the, the the people who published like The material for this presentation would say That this was a bad thing That recall increased by 6% That's, that's got to be a good thing for your brain We're constantly wanting to recall information What if by simply increasing interaction in your classrooms You were able to increase the audience's academic achievement by 6% Everybody would do that. that is what we call in debate a net benefit. And also interaction allows for deep learning to occur. I mean that just sounds good. deep learning where I can only assume deep learning I, mean, I guess I could I can look it up online. This is what interactions will give you. Deep learning definition. This is me in real time picking up a definition. Deep learning is part of a broader family of machine learning methods based on artificial neural networks with representation learning. Learning can be supervised, semi-supervised, or unsupervised. So, hey, that sounds like a good idea to me, having some deep learning and what's going on there. Well, speaking of deep learning, did you know that you can get some deep learning on at Morton College? And they happen to be our presenting sponsor. Did you know Morton College offers 17 associate's degrees in applied sciences? Five transfer programs and 40 career certificates, including programs like forklifting, pharmacy, welding, and vet tech, not to mention the number one nursing program in the Chicagoland area. Morton College is excited to offer day, evening, online, hybrid courses during the fall, summer, and spring semester to, to meet the demands of your busy schedule. Uh, and also, just to piggyback on that, I, I can attest from direct experience that I'm teaching online on a schedule. Which means my class meets on Blackboard Collaborate. It's kind of like Zoom, but for Blackboard. And it's just like Zoom. And my students are saying really good things. And they seem to be doing a good job on their presentations. But I also have these asynchronous classes. Where as long as they complete the weekly checklist that's found on on Blackboard, they're going to be good. And I also have my face-to-face classes, which by the way, safety comes first. Only 10 students in the class. Socially distanced of course Hand washing stations everywhere And everyone's wearing a mask So you've got safety And you've got efficiency In how you can learn And ultimately you just learn on your schedule So whether you're looking to transfer to a four year school Or earn credits towards a career Morton College has the classes and schedule for you So for more information Please look them up on Facebook Call them at 708-656-8000 Or visit them at www.morton.edu I'd say that's pretty good, right? What was the last thing about deep learning? So those are the three simple ways To improve your presentations according to science Increase the number of visuals Remember the road sign discussion I had Road signs, they want you to understand something fast So they give you an image You want your audience to understand something fast? Give them an image. Only use keywords and phrases only. Secondly, incorporate stories into your lecture. Because we are hardwired to understand stories. Because they happen to humans, and your audience is a bunch of humans. And last but not least, interactions. Interactions essentially create neural netting with you and your audience. It increases their recall, which is essentially academic achievement, by 6%. And it allows for deep learning to occur. So why wouldn't you do that Incorporate that in your lectures And I guarantee you Your academic achievement of your students will increase Full stop Drop the mic The rest of the show Is just so much fun I I thought that was fun But this stuff's fun too So Every week Well actually you know what Every other week on Speech Class Audio I have public speaking in the news. And so essentially, I try to make an argument that public speaking, there's, it's always like a big part of our of our lives. And it might not be something that you are dealing with, but there's like something trending on Twitter or something that's leading the headlines on Google News that tends to be public speaking related. And what do I define as public speaking? Well, one source sending a message to an audience uh, with a specific purpose. And so... My article comes from Popular Mechanics, and it it asks the question, was Trump's indoor rally a super-spreader event? From Caroline Boebert of September 15, 2020. Before his campaign rally in front of thousands at a manufacturing plant in Henderson, Nevada on Sunday, President Trump told a Nevada newspaper that he was exempt from Governor Steve Sisliak's law limiting indoor gatherings to 50 people due to COVID-19 concerns. I'm on a stage, and it's very far away, Trump told the Las Vegas Review-Journal, and so I'm not at all concerned. Trump's comments signal his belief that maintaining distance is, an, is important in slowing the spread of COVID-19. In the same Review-Journal interview, he criticized the reporter for not staying far enough away. Coverage of Trump's indoor rally, however, which, as the president says, drew 5,000 attendees, has mentioned the idea of super-spreader events, where it takes just one person to affect many others. While many of Trump's supporters sat close together on white folding chairs, and face masks were not only required for the attendees directly behind the president in the television spot per the Washington Post, it's too soon to tell if the Nevada rally was indeed a super spreader event. And the research on such events at this juncture is still inconclusive. A non-peer-reviewed research paper tried, I'm sorry, tied last month's massive Sturgis motorcycle rally in South Dakota to 250,000 new COVID-19 cases, but even Snopes says the claim is unproven. So basically, uh, the the main public speaking news this week is that Donald Trump, our president, is hosting indoor rallies, which is basically him uh, speaking to an audience, and his specific purpose is to persuade them to vote for him. But the thing is, is like the the governors of these states and the mayors of these cities that these indoor rallies take place. Well, they have they ha- they should have some precedence over the public health standards. Of the event, you just can't come in to an arena and do what you want, and then the city and state have to be okay with that. And so they're saying, "Hey, we need you to enforce your own CDC guidelines, Mr. Trump. Otherwise, you're going to cause COVID nineteen to spike in this area." And President Trump's like, "Well, maybe I will, maybe I won't, but hosting the event anyways is a bad idea because when was the last time you were ever indoors with more than ten or twelve people?" It doesn't happen very often uh, When I come to Martin every week Like I have to check in I have to take a test on how many people I've interacted with That have COVID-19 uh, i got to get a fever check And that's just to enter the building Because whenever you get a lot of people In a space That is not properly Or not, not, not super great at uh, Insulation or ventilation Then you can have these super spreader events If Martin were to have a a spike in COVID cases And we would probably not have class So It's just It's making the news obviously But it's also kind of telling us It's signaling us that we might not be Giving public speeches for a while And so maybe our public speeches Should probably be more like of the Zoom nature Like you can just ask me A public speaking teacher What am I doing in the pandemic for my public speaking classes And all of my classes have to turn in um, all their assignments online Like they're, uh, they have to send via email Their outlines and their papers And their speeches Are actually uh, recorded And hopefully uploaded to YouTube I say hopefully because that's the, I think that's the best way to submit Your speeches and then they're speaking to nobody I give some extra credit if you have some audience members in there But essentially what our What our generation here is going to miss out on Is speech class Like there may be there may be a little deficit in public speakers in this generation, the 2020 generation, because I mean they they didn't have to do their speech class in front of 25 people. There will be a deficit when it comes to this. There will be a little sliver of the uh, of society that's just not great at public speaking, and it's gonna be it's gonna be this generation because what they had to do was they took it with somebody like me, who was I mean I don't know. Safe to say I'm a pretty decent public speaking instructor. And in order to pass the class, all you got to do is submit a speech via YouTube, and audience optional because how else are you going to do it? Because in 2020, I can't request you get 25 people together in a room to present a speech. That would be a public health violation. So, because of public health standards, we don't. No one's getting public speaking practice anymore. And if and if you. If you listen to any like stand-up comedians, like they'll definitely tell you this is a tough time for their lives. Those that aren't really set, because their whole life revolves around getting people in a small room and then you talking to them. Like stand-up comedians don't want to limit the number of seats like you do in education because every seat is more money in their pocket. So, and and they are the public speakers of society. So what are they doing? They're speaking at drive-ins. But that's got to be so weird, right? Like a like a comedian speaking at a uh, at a drive in. They're 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 communicating to a bunch of cars. And I know that breaking the fourth wall here is like you you want to listen whenever you're a comedian. What you feed off of is the audience feedback of of, of of laughter and applause. And so, whenever you're just staring at a bunch of cars, I can only assume it's just a weird time in in delivering comedy. Much like it's a weird time to be a public speaking teacher. So. And man, well, the last, last part of this really flew by, let me just remind you that Speech Class Audio is presented by the Oopsaw Topics Network, reminding you to always lose your fear and find your voice. Uh, Speech Class Audio is broadcast live on Morton College Radio on 99.1 FM, WZQC The Q. Email me at jedger1982 at gmail.com. Follow or direct message me on Twitter or Instagram at, or TikTok at the Jedger. Follow, share, or download the show at oopsawtopics.podmean.com. And last but not least, subscribe and review on Apple Podcast. So, I had a couple student emails this week, and I deleted one. Where did it go? Oh! So, and this, is, this may have come from my asynchronous class, but you have to understand that whenever you ask a question, you're inadvertently giving away information about yourself. And so I had a student... Who emails me and said I read the first lecture But I don't know what the topic is Well The topic is in the lecture And so if you read the lecture You know what the topic is So do you see how you're messaging Like You're you're messaging kind of like a lie Whenever you say something like I read the first lecture but I don't know what the topic is but the topic is in the first lecture. Like I'm just I'm, I'm speaking in circles now, but that's kind of like the that's kind of like the email that I wanted to talk about today. Whenever we wrap up with student emails, is because, um, you again you do signal a lot about how much you are you're getting involved in the class. You're not asking more specific and appropriate questions, and uh, and also like. In the age of of the coronavirus, and and when you're taking online classes, a lot of online classes, uh, you've got to be self-sufficient. My asynchronous class, for example, like I'm here to tell you, that is the easiest money in 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 education right now, because asynchronous means that, like, you know, you have like a checklist of things that you have to do, but the but the teacher and the reason why it's easy is, is, is not doing any lectures. Like, I go the extra step and send them past speech class audios. Like, that's what I'm going to do for my asynchronous class. Like, they're going to have, actually, 16 lectures, even though we don't meet on a regular basis, because they're getting my, my, my audio podcasts. And so that's really got to be, like, self-sufficient, and, and you, you've got to really, you really pull yourself up by the bootstrap, so to speak, and, like, get the job done, because there's not a professor there telling you and, and giving you the fear of God every day. And so, where was I going with that discussion? Uh, What's the topic again? So, and and also, I think this, this student sent this question, like, one day after the deadline. So, it's like, you're asking a question that wouldn't have even been appropriate seven days ago. And so, if you're asking me what the topic is for this speech that's already due, you're signaling that you're behind. And so what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to tell you to go back to the first lecture that you said you've read and relearn it because that is going to, it, it's going to tell you what your topic is or what you're missing. Because I can't, I don't, it, it's, it's really weird in education because you want to, you definitely want to help people, but you don't want to spoon feed them, right? Like one student dropped my class because he kind of realized that I wasn't going to be doing that. He was like, I, I just don't know where to start. And I go, well, start on Blackboard. Start on the announcements. Like, everything's there laid out for you. You have all the tools to succeed. And the way that I know that is because other students in your class are succeeding, so you can too. And he's like, well, I just, I don't know. There's a lot of things going on right now, and I can't. And, then, yeah, like, that, that's what education is, folks. Like, like, Have you ever heard of Malala? Like, she's like this, um, she's this Muslim, this young Muslim woman who, who, uh, who who's, Yearning for education And it's like, like you can't get any education If you're like if you're in the Taliban Or in your middle of like war torn Afghanistan Or Syria or things like that Like you get your education Whenever all of your external and internal Interference is at an all time low Right like if you're Enrolled in college Things are going good in your life They're going so well that you that you Can pay attention for a couple of months To a teacher teach you about a subject and then you times that by five, and then, you know, you're garnering your education. Education cannot be during times of war with you, with, with anything, uh, like, in your in your life. So if you have, like, a automobile accident or something like that, and you're going to be out of commission for three weeks, you know what's more important than education? Probably, you know, trying to learn how to walk again. And so I, I tell students who try to miss a lot of class, that, that don't take the lecture seriously, that... Maybe this isn't the class for you, and maybe you should take it next semester whenever, you know, you're a couple months removed from the dangerous car accident that you were in. Or there's always, like, I had a relative that passed away. That happens. And if it's a devastating loss, then maybe this isn't the best semester to be doing this class because this class requires you to be involved all 16 weeks, right? Right. If things are so bad in your life, and and, and we're not even talking, we're and we're talking about all of this under the illusion, not the illusion, under the idea of coronavirus, right? Like everybody can be sick, and if you get the coronavirus and you're gone for nine weeks, you shouldn't just assume that your your teachers are going to bend over backwards to give you credit for that class. I think everybody wants to 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 get to do very little work in a class and get an A plus. But teachers are there to kind of push you to, to, to put in a lot of work Just to get that A minus or just to get that B plus And so the email was simply What's the topic again But man, I, how much have I talked about those four words And how much that signals that You haven't even read the first lecture and, and I don't know if all teachers are like that, but it's like I, I put like the criteria for assignments in the lectures. Because I'm sure there's some students out there that they just they immediately just go to the criteria and they try to just do the do the homework as fast as they can. But you can't do that in a speech class. You've gotta you gotta you gotta go through the podcast lecture or you've gotta go through my notes so you can apply the material. Application. It's all about Bloom's taxonomy. So what so what's the topic again? Go back and listen to the lecture, because I don't want to just tell you. I want you to kind of earn the answer. Then I had one student. Uh, it's sometimes that I, we we we. You ever sent an email in a in a fit of passion? When, whenever there was like there was like heightened emotion, like you should never do that. <laughs> If you're ever in a really bad mood Towards one person What you should do is You should really write out Like in pen and paper Like what you would just say to them And then you know what you do You throw away that paper Because at least it's out there You you got it out of your system I did that one time to a student that I thought kind of manipulated me into getting a scholarship with a better, not a better school, a better scholarship with another closely, close related school. And I kind of gave this student a a mouthful via email. And this student sent that email to my dean. My dean pulled me in and was like, you can't say that to a student. And I didn't say anything bad. But what I did do is I responded to the student in an emotional way. And so, this past week, I had a student that emailed me the assignment, like his 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 assignment, his or her assignment, and they didn't have a podium. There was just a talking head. And you know Mr. Edgar. Mr. Edgar is not going to let you get away with that. It's even in the syllabus. It's in the syllabus. Don't you love those words? That you've got to have a full shot of you behind a podium using note cards and gesturing. So, and, I, and, I, and I said that to him... And that's another thing. When you do a speech and you're and you're not following the basic criteria for a public speaking context, that's that's also signaling that you didn't listen to my first discussion, or you didn't you didn't read through the syllabus. And so I reminded the student that they had to have a makeshift podium, and I got to get a full shot of them in behind that podium using note cards. And the student went back, like, "I'm supposed to just go and buy a podium during the middle of the pandemic?" And I did tell that student like, like check your tone man Like hold on one second I asked for a resubmission And typically whenever someone resubmits I give them full credit And I said no I'm not expecting you to go to Podiums or Us And buy a podium during a pandemic But what I am expecting you to do Is to make one at your house And if that requires you to have Four boxes Or seventeen books, Or a bar top or a table top Or a I don't know, a a bar stool Or or a musical stand that has a back to it That you can flip on its side and then it'll work Then use that But don't freak out whenever a teacher says You did the assignment wrong Like, you gotta understand if, if you're taking college classes The vetting process for, for professors Is stringent A solid day of interviews Not to mention a rigorous uh, Resume process Your teachers are good Or they're adjunct professors that they, they may have a unique way of teaching But they're experienced in the field Heck, I, gotta go, I had to go through adjunct training A lot and so what I'm saying here is Is that when a teacher asks you to do something You should do it And not argue with them And, and it's like And, and sure, I would, I would have been unreasonable If I told every student to go out and buy a podium But I didn't I said make a makeshift podium I, I make sure the word makeshift Is in the syllabus So then I can argue You don't have things That you can stack you don't have a table. And remember, we're, we're trying to set up a public speaking context for you during a pandemic. And would be the opposite of this? Again, just sitting and talking into the camera, which is not public speaking. It might be public speaking in 2020, but no one's quite written a book on Zoom public speaking just yet. Maybe I'll be the one to write that book. For right now whenever the world might go back To normal Normal is per Teachers, I'm sorry not teachers But public speakers behind a podium Using note cards or using presentations And that's it That's it for Speech Class Audio Have you enjoyed it? Uh, Just a reminder That uh, you can join this show Every other Thursday at 1 o'clock Here on the Morton College Radio Network It's not a network, it's just Morton College Radio 99.1 WZQC The Q But then a Thursday From now, I'll also Be on the air, but I'll be on Speech Class Audio's companion show Oops All Topics Oops All Topics is My show, where I get to Deconstruct reality In the sense of what's popular Um What do I say? Current events, weird science, pop culture. But there's also feature discussions. I can actually go to that right now if you want to. I talk about what media I'm consuming. I got the sports bubble, Corona Life, the bright side of COVID. Lots of election talk, you know, what uh, what, what the Senate looks like, Trump and Biden, weird science, and then usually a feature discussion. So I urge you to check that show out, but it's not... Again, it's not any show that's related to Morton College Radio. Like, my, my, my opinions on Morton College Radio are not the, I'm sorry, on Oops All Topics, are not the views and opinions of Morton College. This show's uh, opinions are, I'm, I'm assuming, Morton College Radio's opinions because they pay me to teach here. And I'm assuming that if I give public speaking advice over the air, I guess that would, they would agree with that. So again, make sure whenever you're listening to Oops All Topics, you know that that's just me. Giving my opinion on the news So with that being said Once again you are listening to Speech Class Audio Broadcast live from Morton College Radio on 99.1 FM WZQC The Q Also presented by the Oops Hot Topics Network reminding you to always Lose your fear and find your voice Email me at jedger1982 At gmail.com Follow or direct message me on Twitter, Instagram Or TikTok at the jedger Follow, share, or download the show at oopsawtopics.podbean.com and last but not least subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts and like every day or every Thursday at this time, I gotta get away. Seconds. Ah, well, what would I say? Well, what were the three scientific ways to improve your lectures? Increase images, storytelling, and interaction. If you do those three things, you're going to have a great presentation. You're listening to Morton College Radio ZQCLPQ at ninety-nine point one.